Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Who's ready to hear the word? All right. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If we could read verse 2 together. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I understand that is a exceedingly common portion of Scripture, but I believe that God has given me a word to share with this church. And that word is simply this. He ain't finished yet. Would you lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and let's pray together and ask God to have his way in this place. In the name of Jesus, God, I ask that you would move, that you would flow, that your spirit, God, would have free reign and free course in this place to accomplish exactly uh, what it is you want to accomplish. Lord, I submit my will. I submit my desires to your plan, God. I, I bind any spirit, human or demonic, that would try to stop or interfere with the flow uh, of the Holy Ghost in this place. Uh, I loose angels of the Lord to walk throughout this building and begin to meet needs. Uh, I love you and I worship you. Uh, let's clap our hands to the Lord and give him a shout uh, of triumph in this place. Why don't you go ahead and give your neighbor a high five at this time uh, and tell him he ain't finished yet. Go ahead and high five another neighbor and tell him he ain't finished yet. Now, when I was a kid, I read a lot. That might explain a, a lot of things in my life. And back in the day, my parents had purchased an Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, I had to explain that this week to a young person when I began to tell them about the Encyclopedia Britannica. They did not know what an encyclopedia was. They grew up in an era where Dr. Google is the encyclopedia, and there is no reason to have a stack of 36 books sitting around that you've got to read through. But my parents, for whatever reason, decided to take some of their hard-earned money and invest it in a beautiful leather-bound set of Encyclopedia Britannica. And being a little bit off like I am, uh, we didn't have a television. We didn't have a Sega Genesis we, we didn't have the money for one of those, and my parents probably wouldn't have bought it if they could have. I would begin to crack open the encyclopedia. I'm not even kidding. I'm getting some looks right now. I would crack it open, and we would fight about who got which one. Somebody would fight like, I want MCK to MCM, you know. You're fighting, I want the eyes. And so we would crack it open on those snowy winter days when we'd been outside and all of our clothes were soaked and there was no school. We'd sit with our blankets over us, over a heater vent, and begin to read the encyclopedia. Now, that's a little bit weird, I know. And I began to read really every book in the house that I could get my hand on at a young age. There was a teacher in my life that was instrumental in putting a love for reading into my life. I remember it very well, my first grade. But my favorite thing to read was not the encyclopedia. It, were, it was novels. 
Anybody in here like to read a good novel? Man, we need to need like the, the school bus to come in here, scholastic bus to come in here or something. Reading is healthy. It's good for you. It, it feeds your mind. But I'll get off of that. I like to read novels. But again, I'm a little bit different. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a different duck sometimes in some ways. I have my quirks and my peculiarities. I like to skip to the end of the book and read the end of the book first before I read the book. I want to know if it's worth me putting my time into reading this book. It's wrong, I know. It's like some of you are screaming in your head right now, like the mystery, the suspense, it's all gone. But I like to wonder throughout the entire book, knowing the ending that was coming, it was fun to me to try to decide throughout the book how the author was going to try to make it happen. And the best books, in my opinion is when you know the ending and you're down to like that many pages left and it's so far apart you can't even figure out how that author's going to make this line up with this. I'm telling you, the first time I read a a Dr. Seuss book and I could not, I'm kidding, something more intelligent than Dr. Seuss, but I read a book and I began to try to figure out how he's going to make this line up with the ending I just read. You see, we serve a God That is no worse uh, at a quick story change than anybody in the world. Uh, Our God is able to take a story that looks so crazy uh, and just a few pages left uh, and he's able to write in uh, the most incredible ending uh, that you could ever imagine. uh, The most incredible event uh, that you could ever describe. The demoniac uh, was clothed and in his right mind after one moment uh, at the feet of Jesus. A woman with a 12-year issue of blood, uh, a sickness for 12 years, uh, gets to the feet of Jesus. uh, And instantly the author writes something different in her book. Lazarus is dead for four days. But Jesus walks on the scene uh, and shouts, Lazarus, come forth. And my personal favorite chapter. Jesus, uh, the creator of the universe, uh, is dead, uh, laying in a tomb. Uh, The disciples are scattered and afraid. uh, And all of a sudden, uh, the next day when they go, uh, the tomb is empty, my friend. Uh, There's nothing in it uh, but a pile of wrappings uh, and a pile of napkins. I'm here to tell you today, uh, I don't care what your situation is. uh, If you're looking at the story of your life and it feels like there's not much time uh, for it to turn around, uh, we serve a God uh, who can rewrite your ending. uh, We serve a God uh, who is able to turn it in just a moment. uh, So go ahead and hang on uh, because he ain't finished writing your story. Now, our God's a different kind of author because he don't mind sharing the ending long before he ever gets there. In fact, it's kind of his forte. He's the kind of author that when you're reading the first chapter, he just tells you exactly how it's going to end. And the mystery is in how in the world uh, is that going to happen, God? How in the world are we going to get there? It was way back in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve 
are now living in sin. They're feeling condemned. They're feeling ashamed. They're booted out of the garden. God has just pronounced a curse on them and the land. And then he begins to speak forth and prophesy of a time when redemption would come to this earth. He's not scared to share the ending at the beginning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, let's go ahead and share another ending. It says, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you don't sorrow even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Basically, the church that's hanging out here ain't going to stop everybody else that died in faith. Everybody else that walked looking for the promise that didn't get to see it, we ain't going to stop him because the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then uh, in his ink, uh, as only he can write, he begins to say uh, that we uh, which are alive and remain uh, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds uh, to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, wherefore, uh, comfort one another with these words. Uh, he's talking to a church in a time of persecution, uh, a church in time of trial, uh, and he begins to spell out your ending. Uh, your ending is not just death. Uh, your ending is not disease. Uh, your ending is not despair. Uh, your ending is not pain uh, and hurt for the rest of eternity. Uh, your ending is to be with the Lord forever. That is supposed to be an encouragement to us. Now Paul goes on in Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. He says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. What an author. He's laying out the mystery right before us. He's taking it all away from us. We don't even have to wonder. He's showing us how it's going to work. Because we're not all going to sleep, but we shall all be changed. Because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, uh, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, uh, and we shall be changed. Huh. I'm here to tell you, uh, if you've got a bum hip that bothers you every time you dance, uh, the ending of your story won't have a bum hip in it. Uh, but you're going to go waltzing up a street of gold. Uh, you're going to be changed. Uh, if you're here struggling with depression uh, and anxiety uh, and fear, uh, that's not going to be in your story. Uh, because you're going to be dancing uh, around a throne. Uh, you're going to be dancing down streets of gold. Jesus, uh, 
So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption uh, and this mortal has put on immortality, uh, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, uh, death is swallowed up uh, in victory. Uh, Come on, uh, we're talking about the end of the book. Uh, He writes and says, death, uh, where's your sting? Grave, uh, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, uh, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God, uh, which giveth us the victory through our Lord, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Oh, uh, it's not a mystery, my friend. Uh, You don't have to wonder how this whole thing's going to wrap up. Uh, You don't have to wonder how it's going to end. If you're a part of the church triumphant, uh, we know exactly where we're going. And he finishes that passage by saying this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our promise of an ending in heaven should drive us to continual movement to fulfill uh, the purpose and the commission of the church. But it's those pages in between that get us. David is anointed king, but he's hiding in caves. He's running for his life. He's feigning insanity at the hands of the Philistines. Moses is plucked out of a river an anointing, a calling of God on his life, but then spends 40 years forgotten by everyone in the backside of a desert. Abram is wandering around with a promise, and God is silent for long years of his life as he walks through that land, as he walks around the land of Canaan and through the land of Canaan, he's walking through his land of promise. And God has already told him that everywhere he puts his foot, he's going to give it to him. Uh, But God is silent for 13 years. And Sarah comes to him one day and says, Abe, hey, buddy, we're running out of time. Our story's running out of time. Why don't you take Hagar? Why don't you take Hagar and begin to write the next chapter of our life? How different the story could have been if old Abe had just looked her in the eyes uh, and said, you know what, Sarah, I love you, uh, but he's not finished writing this story yet. Uh, He's not done with us yet. Uh, Let's go ahead and stay faithful. How different world history would have looked. We know instead how that worked out with Ishmael and Hagar and the the family feud. Uh, But fast forward just a few years and here's Abraham uh, having learned his lesson. Uh, But now, uh, now he's walking up a hill called Mount Moriah. And now he's with his son, uh, his promised son that God said he would give him. Uh, And the son begins to look around and he says, Dad? Yeah, boy. Dad, I see the wood and I see the fire. But where's the sacrifice? 
And I can imagine Abraham in his heart, uh, torn by emotion uh, and torn by what is going on. uh, And yet in there somewhere is a glimmer of faith. uh, I believe he says to himself, uh, God is not done writing this story. uh, And he looks his boy in the eye and says, my son, uh, God will provide a sacrifice. Uh, I'm here to tell you, my friend, uh, don't worry about the middle page. Uh, Don't worry if you don't understand the season you're in. Uh, Don't worry if you don't know what's going on in your family. Uh, Don't worry if you don't know uh, why everything's happening the way it's happening. Uh, Just remind yourself, uh, it ain't finished. Uh, He's not done writing. Uh, Here's my book, God. Uh, My page is open. Uh, Why don't you take your pen? Uh, Why don't you take your pen and write uh, on my life? Uh, Let's clap our hands to the Lord together. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 in the New Living says it this way. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. There's a difference between the church and those not in the church. You see, outside of the church, we can say, you know, I hope this happens. I I hope that happens. But when you're a person of faith, it's more than just hope because your faith in the power and the promise of God puts a reality attached to your hope and it's no longer just wishful thinking. Your faith gives you the evidence that what you haven't seen yet, you will see. You see, we can't underestimate the value of remaining faithful in what others may describe uh, as a hopeless situation. The eyes of faith see things that the eyes of flesh can never see. The eye of the flesh sees a closed door. But the eye of faith sees just one more door that Jesus can stand uh, and knock at. The eye of the flesh sees time uh, is running out. But the eye of faith sees a God uh, that runs outside uh, of time. We just finished a sermon series on prayer. And so many great examples of men and women throughout the Bible uh, that prayed uh, and kept praying uh, and kept praying. Several parables that Jesus gave us uh, on how we can stand fast uh, and believe in what we're praying for. My friend, uh, don't you stop praying for your lost family. Uh, Don't you stop praying for your lost brother, uh, your lost sister. Uh, Because if there's life, uh, then there is hope because the author uh, is still holding the pen. Uh, Don't stop praying for healing in your body. Uh, Don't stop praying for healing in somebody else's body uh, because the author uh, is still holding uh, the pen. Uh, The author is still the one uh, with the pen in his hand uh, and he's about to dip it into some ink. And if we will let him, uh, he will write the pages of our story. Thank you, Jesus. And while it's wonderfully reassuring to know the end of my individual story and to know that God has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. I am not just here to encourage each of us individually. I'm here to encourage the church as a whole. Jesus church, he ain't finished with our story. 
It's a masterpiece that he's working on. And he's taking time making sure that he's going to get the details just right. And it's easy for us to get lost in the process of time. But this last week of life has provided such an incredible viewpoint uh, of the last few years. Just a few years ago, Mike was getting baptized in Lake Pelican. But last night, we sat at my dining room table and discussed him taking over the bus ministry. Four years ago last week, most of our youth group got the Holy Ghost when Sister Waylage came and shared the gospel through a puppet. Last night, most of the youth group was praying in my basement, and the Holy Ghost showed up in a powerful way. And God used a young person in the gift of prophecy uh, to begin to challenge uh, and encourage the others. So what am I saying? I'm saying the author is still writing. Page by page, uh, line by line, uh, chapter by chapter, uh, he's filling in the details. Uh, he's setting the scene. Uh, the plot is thickening. Uh, the end is growing ever nearer. Uh, and the author is about to start uh, the next part of the book. Uh, you see, we as a church, uh, we just got to remain open. Uh, we've just got to keep our own junk off the pages. Uh, we've got to keep our own pen uh, out of the way. Uh, we've got to stop writing what we think the end is going to be. Uh, we got to stop writing uh, with eyes of flesh. Uh, and we got to begin to allow God uh, to pen the page. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here right now. Why don't you lift your hands into the air and begin to talk to him? Why don't you lift your hands and begin to thank him? And I find any time that the middle pages start getting me down, uh, this current chapter I'm in starts dragging me down, uh, just go ahead and open the book of the words he's already written to you. Go ahead and open the book and begin to read some of the promises he's put in it. Like Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 21. Uh, For my thy people shall all be righteous. Uh, they shall inherit the land forever. Uh, the branch of my planting. The work of my hands. Uh, that I may be glorified. Uh, God is just like any other author. Uh, when the end of the book comes, uh, he wants the credit for it. Uh, and he's going to write it in such a way that you and I are never going to be able to claim it. Uh, we're not going to be able to take it a little one verse 22 shall become a thousand uh, and a small one a strong nation uh, i the lord will hasten it in his time he goes on in the next chapter, uh, and if you'll allow me, I want to replace the I uh, within us and let it be a collective promise to this church. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord God uh, is upon us uh, because the Lord hath anointed us to preach good tidings uh, to the meek. Uh, he hath sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives uh, and the opening of the prison to them uh, that are bound, uh, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, 
and the day of vengeance of our God uh, to comfort all uh, that mourn, uh, to appoint unto them uh, that mourn in Zion, uh, to give them beauty for ashes, uh, to give them the oil of joy for mourning, uh, to give them the garment of praise uh, for the spirit of heaviness, uh, that they might be called trees uh, of righteousness, uh, the planting of the Lord, uh, that he uh, might uh, be glorified. Uh, There's a promise from the word of God. Uh, There's a challenge from the word of God uh, to us as a church. uh, We are not alone. Uh, We are not by ourselves. Uh, He is here. Uh, He is here. Uh, He is here. Uh, And this uh, is the acceptable year uh, of the Lord. And I saved the best verse for last uh, because once we put on uh, that garment of praise uh, for the spirit of heaviness, uh, once that oil of joy for mourning is applied, uh, once the beauty for ashes has been switched, uh, look at what happens in verse 4. They shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities and the desolations. Of many generations. I'm telling you, uh, when God is done writing the story of this church, uh, that is exactly uh, what he will be able to say about the Jesus Church in South Dakota. Oh, the Jesus Church built the old waste places. Uh, The Jesus Church raised up some desolations. Uh, They repaired the waste city of Watertown, uh, and they broke uh, the desolation of a generation. My friend, you cannot convince me. You can try, but it ain't going to work. That this is the extent uh, of apostolic breakthrough in Watertown. uh. You can try to convince me if you want. uh, But this is not the extent of apostolic revival in South Dakota. And so I'm just going to keep serving. uh. I'm just going to keep reaching. uh. I'm just going to keep living. uh. I'm going to keep praising God. uh. I'm going to keep praying. uh, Because the author uh, is not finished yet. uh. The page is there. That page is going to turn. He's going to put the pen to ink and set it down. And the author is going to begin to write the breakthrough chapter in this great story. Let's all stand together. You see, I believe with all my heart that the next time his pen hits paper, he's going to write the chapter about the backslider and all that have heard truth in this church coming home. I believe he's going to write the next chapter where the strong man of this area is totally defeated and the cycle of dysfunction is destroyed. He's going to write the next chapter where a church planning team is sent out and commissioned from the Jesus Church to go preach the gospel in Sisseton, South Dakota. He's going to write the next chapter in this church's book uh, where another team is sent out and commissioned uh, to go to Millbank and preach the gospel. 
He's going to write a chapter uh, where we're sending people out to Madison. Uh, we're sending teams to Brookings. Uh, we're sending teams to Spearfish. Uh, we're sending teams to Mobridge, uh, to Yankton, to Vermilion, uh, to Pine Ridge, uh, to Belfouche, to Lee, to Deadwood, uh, to Sturgis. He's going to write the next chapter uh, where a generation that is right now small uh, is going to rise up and take this church to the next level. Uh, A generation that right now uh, is getting interested in God uh, instead of video games. Uh, They're getting interested in God uh, instead of the things of this world. Uh, God is going to begin to use them uh, like we cannot imagine. Come on, let's lift our hands in this place right now. The Holy Ghost is here. Go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and lift your voice. And so in this next moment, I'm going to open this altar. uh, But here's what I want. When we come to this altar, uh, we do not come defeated. We come expecting. uh, We don't come uh, with our story closed about how God's going to move in this place today. uh, We're going to have a nice little 10-minute patty cake altar call and go eat wherever we're going to eat. But I want you to come uh, with the pages of your book open. uh, God, uh, here's my life. uh, Here's my hands, God. Here's my feet. uh, Please write the next story in my book. As he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, because we know that our labor is not in vain. Every single thing you have done for the kingdom of God has been recorded in his book. It's been stored. Uh, Every single prayer you have prayed for that family member, uh, it's been recorded uh, and it's been stored. Uh, Every single night uh, when you were feeling alone and down and out and you began to speak words of faith, uh, God is writing uh, a new chapter and a new story in your book. So I want to encourage this church together. Oh, the Holy Ghost is going to move in just a second. He's not finished. He's not done. He's still writing. So why don't we lift our hands and we lift our voices at the same time and pledge to him with all of our heart. I will remain steadfast. I will remain unmovable. I will abound in the work of the Lord. My labor is not in vain. My labor is invested. Oh, come on. Come on. Let's